This is a shock podcast. Shock. Films. They usually tell a lot more than what you see and hear on screen. Have you ever overanalyzed a film and compared it with another just because you think they can actually be better? Here on Unraveling Film Roles, I'm your host, Izwin. We will analyze two films per episode. Films that come from the same genre, have the same category, yet they're so different but still similar. Are award-winning films really award-worthy or they don't actually live up to the hype when you watch it? For moviegoers and cinephiles, this is a podcast for you. Welcome to Unraveling Film Roles. Hi, my name is Izwin. I am your host. I will bring you through journeys analyzing films, talk a little bit more from my perspective, from other people's perspective. I am a film nerd, but not a film expert, and this is what we're going to get into. Just a little bit more of this amateur low ground, not the most expert. I love films so much. I have so many opinions, and a lot of people around me actually do have a lot of opinions on films too. So, we shall see where this goes. So first episode, what are we going to do? Surprise, surprise. It's not that surprising, really. We're going to talk about two of the most anticipated films, the summer of 2023, Barbie and Oppenheimer. If you have a sister at home or even if you're a big fan of dolls growing up, you know, that's going to be one of your earliest friend or at least like one of the earliest toys that you've ever played with. Especially if you have a sister. I my sister had like over 30 Barbie dolls and it's kind of crazy that I I mean I didn't inherit most of them. She's pretty she's a lot older than me. But growing up, you know, what I was used to, I was used to playing dolls, watching the films, and then on the other coin is Oppenheimer. How are we talking about two completely different aesthetics and messages? Barbenheimer hype is so real. I could not get away from it. I could not even get away from it when I was watching both of the films separately of course can watch it at the same time in the cinema on the other hand oppenheimer i am not a science girl i through and through just a very theoretical girl i studied economics and politics as, as theoretical as it can get i mean funny enough you know let's call oppie sometimes um, as a replacement to oppenheimer even oppie said the same thing where he's just like a theoretical dude through and through yeah it's very scientific it's very scientific it it's um christopher nolan's first ever autobiographical you know i'm going to say autobiopic christopher nolan's first biopic film that he's ever made of the father of the atomic bomb based on the 2005 book Uh, titled American Prometheus I think that's how you say it tells the story of Robert Oppenheimer and his involvement in the Manhattan project during World War II so that's kind of the overall summary of what the storyline is there's going to be a lot of spoilers if you have not watched either go and watch both like right away There was a whole debate about how you should watch the Barbenheimer films. Like, didn't really struggle with it that much. I just didn't have a choice. If I didn't watch 
Oppenheimer as a first choice, then I think everyone's just gonna talk about it like nonstop. I feel like Oppenheimer is was the obvious choice to watch first. But of course, a lot of debate about it. Even Greta Gerwig had her opinions. But personally, for me, what how I went about it was great. You know, I watched Oppenheimer first and then Barbie second, and it was great because I didn't understand anything when I was watching Oppenheimer. Yet I and I understand everything about Barbie. But we'll get more into the key message about the the films at the same time. Why are we comparing two very different films at the same time? Because for me, there's so many similarities. Yet, of course, the differences are obvious. As even if you watch a trailer, you know that there's <laughs> there's no similarity. But if you look into the detail aspects of it, it's like it's a star-studded cast, features, and amazing composers, uh, amazing artists for the songs, two very big film directors. You know, Christopher Nolan, Greta Gerwig, both have very similar in a sense of like in the sense of like people have been waiting for this film for years so in that sense they're quite similar but obviously very different so first off let's talk into kind of the overall view of when we talk about a film the direction and the writing of it um so here's it's pretty interesting for me that both of these films were actually directed same person that wrote it so Oppenheimer was written and directed by Christopher Nolan and Barbie was written and directed by Greta Gerwig however Barbie was co-written by Noah ba- Baumbach which I have a feeling he's really popular for his skills but I'm not that I'm not that knowledgeable in film and I feel like if I research a little bit more I'll know more about his work yeah for me Oppenheimer as a film itself was very much men focused like I can't really say anything else like you don't get any sense of like female characters or portrayal very strong female characters or portrayal I was reading about it actually how Christopher Nolan always and never and then he can't just keep up with like all the feminism movement he's uh, people still don't watch his films like they're crazy good right the fact that I'm still talking about it right now like I'm talking about it right now means it's like it's definitely conversation worthy he struggles with the female portrayal which is a complete opposite for Barbie which is all about women depends on how you want to see it some people aren't really happy with how they portrayed women and men in the film or how men it's just a sight is a side character to Barbie like Ken is just a side character to Barbie and people are angry about that but that is isn't that just like real life however um, Barbie is the complete opposite of Oppenheimer the direction is easy whereas Oppenheimer there's a lot more thinking for me however Oppenheimer is most probably the least complicated Christopher Nolan film that I've ever watched Mind you, the only other films I've watched by Christopher Nolan, which is quite embarrassing, is just Inception and Tenet, which Inception is easy to understand too, but the ending is something that people still talk about, right? To me, it's the least complicated film to understand. I definitely get it not right away, like I need the whole film to understand it, but it's very enjoyable it has amazing pace it was written beautifully and i didn't understand while watching which i 
instantly wanted to analyze was the use of color and black and white. I at first was thinking, hmm, maybe this color refers to Oppenheimer. Like he doesn't feel regret. Like he just in his head, he doesn't feel like that angst with black and white, not color. He's feeling like a depose effect of setting off the atomic bomb in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Like the emotions are different, but no, actually. Color means uh, is actually Oppenheimer's perspective, and then when it's black and white, it's actually from Louis Strauss' perspective, which I thought was quite interesting. And you can see the hint towards the end of the film, where we've seen that scene of Oppenheimer and Albert Einstein by the pond, first for the first time, kind of early on in the film, and then again towards the end. Towards the end was Oppenheimer's perspective. And then the black and white in the beginning was Louis Strauss' perspective, which I thought was quite interesting and they've hinted at. And I actually do not have to think too much about it. <laughs> it was already given by to me on a silver platter by Christopher Nolan. I loved like how the story was going. It was still enjoyable through and through. Barbie, on the other hand, I was just oh, in awe by every single thing. I, I just... I the moment I sat down on my seat, I was just on the edge. Why? It's not even a thriller compared to Oppenheimer, but I was just like happy. I can resonate with so many things in Barbie. The fact that it doesn't just—it's not on the surface. Like it's definitely not <laughs> an on-the-surface film. Like it's beyond that. And the thing is, is like the, we know when people tell me. Why do I like I want to hype up Barbie so much is because they marketed the film very differently than what I expected. We're expecting like all these beautiful colors, like happy, like party vibes all throughout the film. But that's definitely not what we got. I was crying by the end of the film. I cried a few times. It's so much more. Like, you go in thinking it's one thing and then ended up being a lot more than what you think it is. Then you know it's a good film because they've kept it pretty well. Honestly, both films have done pretty well. Like, in that sense, like, I wasn't sure very much what Oppenheimer's direction was. And I wasn't really sure what Barbie's direction was. And I came out pretty surprised and happy with what I watched. Barbie was definitely not the perfect picture-perfect Barbie feeling we expect. But we definitely need it. And overall, like, very amazing film. And Greta Gerwig did an amazing job just throughout writing the script, resonating it with the audience from the beginning and uh, pretty well. So, cast. So... As mentioned, a very star-studded cast for both films and they have done um, Oppenheimer and Barbie. They have definitely hired people that, uh, sorry, hired actors and actresses that would match their vibe um, and the character portrayal. Like, come on, Killian Murphy as J. Robert Oppenheimer? Like, I don't think Christopher Nolan had a choice. Um... Um, even though now we can't imagine Barbie as someone else um, Barbie was actually offered to a few other um, actresses And it's been in the making for a, f- a really long as time um, You know, very much anticipated But, you know, it's still the, the cast that came 
with it it's like there was Issa Rae Marika Ferreira the obvious Ryan Gosling but I don't want to mention Ryan Gosling straight ahead because um uh, you know he's Ken he is literally just Ken uh Chiti Gatwa um Kate McKinnon Oh I took a test And I found out That I'm actually uh, Crazy Barbie So Maybe that, Like I don't know But I definitely Resonated with her In the film And the amazing Michael Sarah As Alan um, If you're not a, If you're not That big into Barbies um, you, for, you don't know That Alan existed To be fair I didn't either Until the film And um, and I watched it And I'm like Everyone needs an Alan In their life uh, And Ken definitely Needed an Alan In, in his life um, And also um, Barbie itself um, so I watched a video on this Just to kind of like Understand Greta Gorwood's Like perspective on this And um, someone pointed out uh, When they were analysing the film They pointed out that A lot of the actors And actresses from Sex Education The f- uh, TV show on Netflix um, Are actually casted in um, Barbie as well So is Greta Gerwig A huge fan of sex education uh, We uh, we don't know She most probably is um, But here's the thing Talking about sex education A British uh, TV show Oppenheimer um, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna spit out a little bit Of the characters uh, sorry, Of the stars that were in the film uh, Killian Murphy Matt Damon Um Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt. Um, and there was a lot of surprise cameos. Like for me, it was definitely Josh Peck. It was um Alex Wolf. Um, huge fan of the Naked Brothers band. About Naked Brothers band growing up. Cassie, Casey Affleck and Rami Mali. Uh, but here's the thing: from the whole list of people that I've mentioned, oh, just now. Sorry, I forgot to mention one person uh, To make this make sense um, There was also Flor- Florence Pugh in the film um, But anyway, from the whole list of stars I just listed for Oppenheimer Can you guys n- guess what's similar with a lot of them? A lot of them are British And I think that's a little bit mind-blowing But it makes kind of makes sense Because Christopher Nolan himself is British, British-American um, But then... Um, isn't it crazy for you to just think like British people can do the American accent better? Um, but going into character portrayal, um, so um, there's one thing that I myself and my friend were talking about when we were talking about uh, Katie Oppenheimer, which is played by Emily Blunt, um, is her accent. Uh, literally, the first thing that my friend mentioned to me is like, um, Emily Blunt did a horrible American accent And I'm like Is it on purpose? Or Because in the film They're kind of like Signifying that um, Catherine Kitty Is um, Used to be a communist So therefore Her accent Is actually Just Kind of like Hinting Is she still a communist? Or is she not a communist anymore? Um, her accent's just a little bit Russian accent Even though she's not really action. Sorry, she's not really Russian um, But you can kind of like hear it through the accent Maybe that they're doing something there I don't know But this is something that I saw And I thought was kind of brilliant If that was kind of the purpose Was to keep us like thinking and wondering Of um, what 
who is like who is Kitty really? Like <laughs> she's so confusing as a character throughout the film that it's just like you know she's she's poised, elegant. She's standing up for. Oppenheim, like Robert Oppenheimer, but yeah, when it's just them, she's all like when it's just the both of them, she's just all over the place, and it's so. There's two distinct personality to um, Kitty that I was absolutely confused and, however, loved with how Emily Blunt just played the character really, really well. Um, and you know it's the obvious that like you know the one thing that I wasn't really a big fan of um, Oppenheimer is just how basic the character portrayal are other than um, Emily Blunt um, you know Killian Murphy he's Killian Murphy he, we know how he's gonna act Matt Damon you know how he's gonna be at, uh, like as the general um, maybe another good point uh, another uh, one that I should um, mention is Florence Pugh I think she played really well as Jean Tatler um, the communist that um, Oppenheimer was in love with um, but obviously did not end up marrying um, I think only Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh did really well to give some depth to the characters but um, the rest they're kind of you, what you see is what you get you can't really talk more about it um, it although um, I, w- I would love there's like there's something some different when it comes to Barbie but again it's the same thing what you see is what you get um, um, but like let's just take a moment and talk about how um, um, flexible not flex- I feel like that's the wrong word to use how great Ryan Gosling is is that playing different characters and he definitely did really well in Barbie being Ken um, because we know him as real in real life like we've seen him in other films and you know he we don't see him as like Ken but he did Ken so well he did not do Ken, dir- Ken dirty at all um, even though some like you know there's always going to be other choices but I feel like Ryan Gosling was perfect um, for Ken. And um, yeah, again, not much not much depth in their character, in, in the ca- character portrayal for either films. Um, however, if I were to give, like, if I were to make, give a special mention, like, I would say the people that played Barbie um, did it better um, only because they... It, they're just they're not just playing a character like like a perfect character they know that they're giving so much more um than what the audience expect okay um another big aspect of a film um you know uh, let's just ease into uh, like the next big topic that we can talk about uh, when it comes to film is music and audio. Um, so Oppenheimer had um, Ludwig, uh, Ludwig Göransson as um, its composer. So you guys might know his work from Mandalorian, Venom, um, Tenet, um, and then Barbie had Mark Ronson and Andrew Wyatt. Uh, we know Mark Ronson. He has worked with like the likes of Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga. Andrew Wyatt has won and been nominated for a lot of them. Grammys um, But here's the thing About Oppenheimer um, 
did Christopher Nolan not work with Hans Zimmer? Like, I think that was a shock <laughs> for a lot of people. It was a shock for me too. And um, but Ludwig Göransson definitely fit. Um, definitely did really well with the audio. Um, although I ha- like sorry with the um, music in the film. However, I have to say it was forgettable. Nothing exciting. Um, the only thing, like when it comes to the music, I think he just did not live up to the expectation um, that he did with Mandalorian. Like, if you remember, throughout the whole the first season, at least um, every single episode, you know, you are listening to the same theme. Maybe I just didn't really focus enough to the music, but then because like it's not something you want to like, I can talk about on the top of my head, or while preparing for this, like it's then it's it's forgettable. Nothing special. Um, even music for Tenet was pretty good But for this, it fell flat for me um, However, one thing that um, When you're looking at it um, From the sound perspective um, The film itself Had eerie delayed sounds Which I was very confused when I was watching it And then after uh, The bomb went off In Los Alamos, the first test and then I understood instantly why the sound was exactly why it was the way it was. There was no rushing with the audio, which is quite different to what Christopher Nolan is used to. He's used to fast-paced. Um, but with um, Oppenheimer, he did not focus... Uh, he did not use the same element of different films on it. Because when a bomb goes off, like the size of the atomic bomb that went off, in um, Oppenheimer and in real life in Hiroshima Nagasaki is there's delay, del- sorry, this delayed sound. Like you know it went off, but the sound has not reached to you yet. And then when it will, when it does, um, it's be like it's indescribable. And he's done that pretty well for the film when it comes to the audio. Uh, unlike Tenet, where I was just struggling watching it. I watched the film three times. Um, I struggled the first time. I understood it the second time. And I finally loved it the third time because I could read what they're saying um, with subtitles. But um, And with Tenet, they definitely did not play with the audio really well. I mean, they, they did it to confuse us. Whereas with, um, with Oppenheimer, they did it to kind of, you know, it's a very heart-wrenching film. Um um, and Christopher Nolan's direction with the audio this time is just like you know t- taking its time, which is different. Um, I think that's something to mention. However, if you're not that big into um, audio music as well, you're most probably gonna be a bigger fan of Barbie. Um, with the full length album coming out the same day as the film, I um, okay. One thing about me. I'm a film nerd, I'm a music nerd, I'm a book nerd. Um, and um, the film came out, sorry, the album came out, and I was like hooked. I listened to it right before the film. And sorry, a few days before the film, I watched the film. Uh, yes, uh, Confession did not watch the film on the day itself, but that's okay. Um, I listened to the songs um, right before watching the film. And when I was watching the film, I was singing to the songs. And, um, and then I found out that they actually, each of the songs were written. Based on snippets that Greta Gerwig and Mark Ronson passed to these celebrities, um, sorry, these singers and composers, and um, um, 
uh, and um, Greta Gerwig actually, Mark Ronson and Greta Gerwig, or just like Greta herself, actually had like a whole wish list of celebs she wants people or wants to collab with for the film. And she sent them snippets of the film. And yeah, they wrote um, the songs based off what they've seen and listen. And um, I have, and um, I, you know, um, what was I made for? I think that's the title. The Billie Eilish one. Don't call, don't call me out. Um, I have to say, love that film. Uh, love that song. So when it first came out, it came out a week before the film or two weeks before. Listening to the first time at 12 a.m. on Thursday, which is technically Friday. Um, did not understand the film. Watched the film. Sorry, did not um, listen to that song. Did not understand that song. Did not put it in my playlist. And then watched the film. Obsessed with the song. It just made perfect sense. I think like a lot of the songs, they don't make a lot of sense. Um, when you're just listening, like they're nice and upbeat. Like they're poppy songs. They're songs that, that you can k- hear on the radio all the time. And they're gonna go and top the charts. But... Um, without the understanding of the film, they don't really make sense. Like there's no correlation uh, with the with the songs other than they're upbeat. But maybe that's something like there. That's what Mark Ronson and Andrew Wyatt wants to do, right? Like they want to capture attention beyond just the film. Um, but for me, I love how if you listen to the album itself um, and you watch the film, it just makes the whole soundtrack. Um, even more sense and can can we just talk about I am Ken and Ryan Gosling like okay first of all I was I forgot that Ryan can sing um, he was in La La Land and he not the best singer but he really outdid himself with I am Ken and I am Ken is just everywhere now like um, I think about it and as much as uh, even though I'm a female but I am definitely just Ken um, <laughs> I get what he's, where he's coming from um, and that song is just <laughs> amazing it, it reminds me of um, um, the other song in Frozen 2 that I cannot remember the name of the character um, uh, yeah the fact that there's this like nine like this AT feature of this um um of this main character like you know music video kind of stylish song and the Barbie film just is so fitting. Um, another big uh, another big aspect of a film is, is special effects. There's not really much for me to talk about. Like whatever you see again, it's just pretty obvious. Um, Barbie, you know, um went was actually the cause of like a pink color shortage which was pretty huge news i was like what like this whole film set um caused a pink color shortage um around the globe that's crazy um but um you know with the um yeah both films didn't really use much special effects um um christopher actually got a real life bomb to blow up for the film um it ha- both has minimal cgi both are very much like you know they're built on set and i gotta say that for a film um the size of oppenheimer i i think it makes sense like okay first of all we t- um, um i was reading an article about this and like it's um the hype around the bomb like we're talking about the um this the bi like the biography um, the biopic of uh, the father of the atomic bomb yet yeah, the bomb itself didn't really take up more than like three, 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 three minutes of the whole film um, but the fact that he was e- they were able to build like a town and um, re- remaking this um, bomb reenactment um, was pretty huge but 
is it too simple though like can they could they have got done done more um I mean, to be fair, they only had like 57 days to film the whole thing. So I think they could, they were dealing with, uh, with dealing with what the, they can. Um, and um, Barbie itself, uh, it's just a beautifully made, like everything about the set, the special effect. Like, the, I mean, there's not much to it, but everything about the set um, is great. Like there's this fake pool and Barbie's dream house. They've actually, yeah came out with a toy for it like that's similar to that barbie um that's similar to the barbie dream house um i was like obsessed with the fact that she barbie uh margot robbie in the fall um played by Mar- margot robbie is um she was showered without water she didn't really drink water and her reaction to drinking tea is like oh like oh, this is how it's like to drink tea uh <coughs> she was tiptoeing uh, on her feet when she got uh, um, off her heels. Like the the details of the film is crazy. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the audience perspective of um. Ante- first of all, anticipating for a film. I think like people again. We mentioned um how people were discussing how what should they watch first. First, like. Oppenheimer, Barbie. Um, but then one thing that I think I don't know, I have no opinions on this. Um strong sorry, I have no strong opinions on this, but I also did not participate in this either, just because I just don't have um the motivation to prepare that um put that much effort effort into my outfit for watching a film that no one's gonna see me um at when I'm in the cinema. Um dressing up for Oppenheimer and Barbie like come on and then like people were like switching it up like you're when you're watching Oppenheimer you're like what you're wearing like bubble gum pink outfit and then you're watching Barbie like Barbie you're wearing like suits also when um a lot of these people going to I'm gonna call some of you guys out um all these people just going to watch and Oppenheimer with just like a, a suit not really a suit it's like blazer and um uh slacks that's that's not it like that uh uh no <laughs> it's so much more than just dressing up like Killian Murphy in Peaky Blinders like that's not how you dress up for Oppenheimer I don't know how you should dress up for Oppenheimer maybe with like a um he's a scientist so maybe with like a lap coat um but that was most probably but but the, here's the thing you know the, the film is big enough for it, people to actually um want to dress up for the film similar to um the characters it's crazy and it's good um barbie a lot of you guys are just wearing barbie outfit and um barbie like bright pink bubblegum pink or you know flo- whatever floats your boat um and the impact that before the film came out has had so much impact on the audience i think was amazing and something that they've both parties have done really well um um, both films have done really well to get people excited and looking forward to both films actually not just each separately when you're watching Barbie and Oppenheimer you're like you kind of have to watch both at the same time it's like you d- if you don't then I'm just questioning you um, anyway we're um, kind of um, 
one thing the one thing to note and i haven't mentioned this at all it was just the length of the film when i was watching barbie i was like i thought it was a perfect length i um and i didn't really feel it didn't really feel like a two-hour film at all but for oppenheimer three hours 180 minutes nine seconds depends on the country that you actually watch it from because they've cut um a lot of uh, out and here in malaysia they cut about like 15 minutes off so it's not really three hours per se but um the the uncut Censor, the uncensored version is about three hours damn that's a long ass film and you're watching it in the cinema and um as much as i've watched jack snyder version um uh okay i cannot for like i'm just gonna cut that out um as much as i've watched four hour films before and <laughs> to be in the cinema for three hours is crazy i had to go to the washroom like three times um just because i just couldn't deal with it like but here again it's also to point this is christopher nolan's first um three-hour film he's never made this film as long uh, as long before he shot it on an imax reel and apparently um imax reel are about 11 miles long can you imagine how long it is and um i th- and um I'm not that much of a film technical nerd, but you know, Christopher Nolan definitely was just um really excited to do to put in the mu- that much effort into it. Um to make sure that the way it's portrayed, like you see on the screen, is how he wants it and listen to it is how he wants it. Um but for me, it's not that it's too long. I honestly I don't mind long films um if I'm watching it at home. Um, I don't think it's too long anyway like both films were made like with like I feel like they were made perfectly within the duration um here's the thing like am I biased but telling people that you should actually just watch Barbie first uh and do I have an opinion on how to watch the films uh, not really um i personally just did oppenheimer and barbie didn't really have a choice that's kind of like it just for me it makes a lot more sense but um the experience of watching barbie then oppenheimer also makes a lot of sense like you're kind of like you're up with energy excitement and then you're watching oppenheimer and you're like you look very confused after and um, that's your choice um and um you know we're when i was talking and actually thinking about it myself while um i was talking to a friend about this and um well, actually, preparing the story. Sorry for this film. Sorry, this podcast itself. Um, it's Greta Gerwig versus Oppenheimer. Sorry, it's Greta Gerwig versus Christopher Nolan. Uh, Mark Ronson, Andrew Wyatt versus Ludwig Garnson. It's um a lot of like all these other big name, uh, production work. Um, like people that were involved in the film. Um, but here's the thing despite the fact that Barbie is very much like a film that everyone loves resonate uh, not everyone majority especially women um, love resonate would like to rewatch again um, will they actually win best film of the year I do not think so unfortunately why do I not think so it's just like there's no competition when it comes to these kind of films at awards and um, we would always go for those that just have a little bit more okay here's the thing i think barbie has more depth just from my personal side i think this is just easier to understand and like it's not what you think it is um but films like oppenheimer you know films like um everything everywhere all at once uh, they all just like have 
it just makes sense for them to win um film of the year um however i think barbie will get like best movie production um cinema best cinema cinematography will definitely go to oppenheimer they just did that beautifully can't no and no, no question best director you know what here I'm, this is what i'm gonna say i think greta gorway might get it um she might get it again she's done it once she can do it again um it's gonna be a very tight race for a lot of these awards but um i'm not scared to say it i i, I think she can do this um and uh, ryan gosling might win best supporting actor but um will matt damon get it honestly i don't think so i think ryan did pretty well and in fact better than matt damon in oppenheimer so we shall see anyway that's all my take on those two films it has been a pretty long podcast however i love talking about films and i love watching films listening um to people's opinions about films reading about films um it's crazy that I get to just spend um, almost an hour with you guys. Like, sorry. I get to spend all this time talking. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this rundown um, anal- analysis. And definitely, if you haven't watched, there have been a lot of spoilers throughout the film. But go and rewatch it in a different order, uh, both of these films. Maybe it'll give you a different insight. So anyway, thank you so much. And I'll see you in the next episode.